Uh, if you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the New Testament book of Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 8, and we're just going to read a couple verses starting in verse 26. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the text will also be up on the screen uh, here in just a moment. Now, for the last little bit, if you've, uh, if you've uh, been here, you know that we've been looking at the work and the role of the Holy Spirit, and we, that's, that's really within the bigger context that we've, we've talked several weeks about the Trinity, and we've worked our way through some of, uh, some of the Bible's teaching on that, and we're focusing now on the work and role of the Holy Spirit, and we saw... Uh, last time that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and convinces of sin. Remember that? He, 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 he convicts uh, the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the focus of that aspect of his ministry is mainly the unbelieving world. Okay, This is the work that he does with people who are not yet followers of Christ. And so he convicts them of, of sin, he convinces them of sin, and draws them to the Father. Today, though, our focus is going to be on a ministry that he has towards Christians. Okay, so uh, today we're going to look at the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, where we pick up, Paul is encouraging us as Christians. He reminds us that, that as Christians, we've been adopted into God's family. We are the children of God now. And that the, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And because of that, we cry out, Abba, Father, which is, which is a very... Uh, uh, very tender term toward God, and and, uh, and so we have this, this wonderful blessing of being part of the family of God that's true in our lives, but even though those things are true, that does not mean that everything is easy-peasy, and if you've been a Christian for some time, you know that uh, that is definitely the case, that just because you're a Christian, that does not exempt you from difficult times, and, and Paul says in Romans chapter 8, just before we get into our text, that all of creation, and, and we as Christians as part of that, we groan within ourselves, and, and we, we groan because we're undergoing decay and, and sickness and infirmity and death, and, and we're, we're all going through that, and we're eagerly waiting for the redemption of our bodies. And so Paul is encouraging us in the hardships that we face, and so, so that's one thing. He's talking about uh, we're children of God, but he also goes on to tell us uh, this truth about the Holy Spirit and what he does whenever we pray. So if you found... Acts chapter, or, uh, Romans chapter 8, I'd like you to stand with me if you're able, to, and uh, we'll pick up in verse 26 and just read two verses. The scripture says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you, may be seated. Now, even though this text is very, very short, it does have some powerful things to tell us, and we're not going to work our way, we're, we're not going to cover all that it has to tell us, but we are going to draw out uh, a few things that will hopefully help us in our walk. The first thing that I want you to see today is that the Spirit is our helper. The Spirit is our helper. Look again at verse 26. The Holy Spirit, Paul says, helps our weakness. Now, we can say amen to that, hallelujah, and want to move right on, but I just want us to put on the brakes for a minute and think about this idea that the Holy Spirit helps us as Christians. This may remind you of what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14. You remember in John 14, he's in the upper room uh, on the night in which he was betrayed, and he says to the disciples, he tells them he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and here's what he says. He says in John 14, 16, 
I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. Now, the wording that Jesus used in the original language when He says another Helper, that word another in the original language means another of the same kind. Now, there is a sense in which it could be another that's similar, but Jesus uses a word that means another of the same kind as himself. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to lend aid the same way that Jesus would. The Holy Spirit is going to help in the same way, the same capacity as Jesus Christ would. And and the word that's translated as helper, your Bible may say, if you're more familiar with, uh, with the King James and some other translations, it uses the word uh, comforter. Now, the reason for the difference between helper and comforter is because we don't have an English word that captures all that the Greek word means. And so this, this word that's used has the idea of helping, of comforting. It speaks of an advocate. And so it, it, it talks about someone who, who comes alongside someone. And in a legal setting, an advocate would go and stand before a judicial tribunal, a, a judge, and, and he would intercede. He would go to bat for He would intervene for his client. Also, he would help his client. He would tell him the things that he was to say. So all this is true of the Holy Spirit. And Paul, he has that in mind. And if you look at verse 26, he even goes beyond that. And he says, the Spirit helps our weakness. He helps our weakness. Now, the word helps has the idea of two people joining together in a task to get it done. This is the only time in the, in the New Testament this word is used, though there is a very uh, similar word that's used in Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. Remember in, in Luke 10, Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha, and you might be familiar with that text. Mary and Martha are sisters. Martha's the real go-getter. I think she's probably the firstborn. She, I mean, she is. Jesus and the disciples, a whole bunch of people show up at her house. She wants to get supper on. And, and so she's, she's rushing around. She's in the kitchen working, trying to get things prepared, trying to get a meal together and get the table set, all this stuff. And meanwhile, Martha ain't doing anything. I mean, she is sitting there listening to Jesus, which is important. But Martha gets mad at her. And you remember what she says? She, she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you care that Mary's not doing anything? This is my paraphrase. Don't you care she's not doing anything? Tell her to help me. Very similar word uh, that is, is connected grammatically uh, to this word that Paul uses when he talks about the Holy Spirit helps us. He, he comes alongside and renders aid. He, 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 take, he, he enters into our burden and takes a portion of it onto himself to help us bear up under and I understand this word for, for help is, is, is what happens when a load is shared. So if a person decides not to pray, you're not going to experience the same kind of help as the person who does pray. So the Spirit is our helper. So in what ways does he help? Well, look at what Paul says. He gives us a couple ways. First, he helps by knowing how to pray. Look at verse 26. The same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. The Holy Spirit helps our weakness because we don't know how to pray, and probably all of us can say amen to that. Now, now understand, this is not talking about a lack of eloquence. Okay, this is not talking, sometimes we, we, I, we get so bogged down, I think, we, we think I'm talking to the God of the universe, I'm talking to Almighty Jehovah. I better use some fancy language because, because this Ozarkian isn't good enough for the king of heaven. So i got to come up with some kind of flowery language. My problem is I don't have a big enough vocabulary. 
You ever feel like that? And so if somebody calls on you to pray in church or, or wherever it is, what do you say? Oh, well, I, I, I better not do that. Partially because you don't feel comfortable speaking in front of people, but partially, I think, sometimes it's because we, we don't feel that we have a, an adequate language to express what we're trying to say. Maybe, maybe we think we have to talk with five-syllable words. Well, listen, monosyllabic words are just fine, too. I like big words. So, so sometimes we think that we have to, have to use big words, and so, so we think that we shouldn't pray. But listen, that is foolishness because God is not impressed with your command of the English language. And aren't you glad? The people that Jesus uh, had thrown him around, they were just they were just simple fishermen. They weren't learned men and women. They they were just simple people. Number two, Paul, when he talks about this, we don't know how to pray, he's not talking about a, a lack of, of a, a command of the English language. Notice what he says. He says that the Spirit helps our weakness. Your Bible may say he helps our infirmity. The word sickness or the word weakness or infirmity has the idea of, of an illness or a disease, of weakness, of being feeble. Now, there's no doubt that when we go through times of, of physical ailment, we don't know how to pray. Should we pray that God will heal us of it or that he'll give us strength to get through it? We don't know how to pray. But the idea goes deeper than, than just bouts of being sick because you'll notice this is in the singular. He doesn't say he helps us in our weaknesses. He says he helps us in our weakness. It's as if Paul is saying the Spirit helps us when we are weak, and the only condition we know is being weak. We are weak and feeble. That's our, that's our condition. It's not like the Holy Spirit's on the sidelines, and he's saying, rah, 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 go you, you got this, and then we, we get kind of down. He says, oh, I'm going to come and help you now. But instead, the Holy Spirit is with us because we can't do it on our own anytime. It's not just sometimes we can't do it. We can't do it anytime, and that's when he comes to help us, and that's all the time, whenever we pray. Now, because we are weak, because of this infirmity, we don't know how to pray as we should. And why is it that we don't know how to pray as we should? Well, I think there are, there are a number of reasons. One, one reason is because we're ignorant of the future. We're ignorant of the future. Now, you, you, you probably, if you're a Christian, you've probably faced times in your life when there's been a job change. You've faced times in your life when you've had a family situation. You've faced times in your life when, 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 when you're trying to figure out, should I go to this college or that college? Should I marry this person or that person? And you can't turn to, to, to a scripture that says, don't marry Bob, marry Fred. There's not a scripture that says that. And so we don't know the future. And so sometimes we, we, we don't know how to pray because we don't know what's out ahead of us. Another reason we don't know how to pray is because, and this is related to this, we don't know the secret will of God. We don't know the hidden or the secret will of God. Now understand the Bible tells us many things plainly that are the will of God. The Bible says be ye holy as I am holy. The Bible says to flee immorality. The Bible says don't kill. The Bible says don't steal. So these are things you don't have to pray about. There is no reason for you ever to pray and say, God, would you be okay if I killed this person? Now, that, is, that is ridiculous because the Bible says this is what God's will is. You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray, should I be honest? Should I lie? Should I be drunk? Should I do any of these things? 
because those are things that God has said, do this or don't do that. But there's an aspect of his will that's secret. It's not revealed to us. The Bible doesn't say marry this person and not that person. It is hidden. And sometimes we don't know what the will of God is until we look back over our shoulder. Back whenever I was in college, went to school at SBU, I was working in a group home with people with developmental disabilities. So I was doing that, and then for, for a while, Scarlett, she's a year ahead of me in school, because she's older than I am, which I always like to remind her of. She's not in here right now, so I can say it. Um, she, she's ahead of me in school. She graduated before I did. And so she got a job in Monette. Well, driving from Bolivar to Monette is not going to work. So we ended up in Republic. It's kind of halfway in between. I'm still driving to Bolivar. I'm, I'm wondering why on earth I'm still going to Bolivar, but God had not opened up any doors. It just so happens that Scarlett went to school with a lady named Verna who got a job at the Republic School District working in the special ed department. Verna said, you know what? Jeff is looking for a job, he should go apply at Republic. I applied to Republic, got hired just like that. I, I, I say that because some, I, in, in the meantime, while I was driving up to Bolivar, I was thinking, why on earth am I still driving to Bolivar? Why on earth am I still working in a group home whenever, A, that doesn't, that doesn't really fit my degree in college, but B, What's it going to accomplish? What I didn't know until I looked back over my shoulder after it already happened is that that was preparing the way for me to get a job at Republic. While we were also in Republic, we started going to Calvary Baptist Church. There's a man there by the name of Denny Marr. He's been a minister there for a long time. I became friends with him. He knew that I was looking for a church after I graduated. It just so happens he was he, he played football with our former director of missions at Sun in Lawrence County. And so then he said, Jeff, why don't you give me your resume and I'll pass it on to Hubert, who was the director of missions. I gave it to him, he gave it to Hubert, Hubert gave, Hubert gave it to New Hope, New Hope gave me a call. So all this stuff, we look back over and I say, why was I working in the group home? That led me to Republic, which led me to Calvary Baptist, which led me to New Hope. I didn't know any of that stuff. If you would have told me, you know, in X amount of years, you're going to end up at New Hope Baptist Church. I would have said, where's that? Because I never heard of New Hope Baptist Church. You know what? God's will is secret, and sometimes we look back over our shoulder, that's where we see it. We don't know what that secret, hidden will is. Sometimes we don't know how to pray because we're in the midst of circumstances, and we don't know what God's doing in it. We don't know how how our response can bring glory to God. We don't know how what is happening to us can glorify the Lord, so we don't know how to pray. And of course, there's overlap between all these things, but, but sometimes also our, our burden is so strong and so heavy, we don't know how to express it. You ever experience those times when, when maybe you have a loved one that's sick, you have, you have some uh, illness in the family, you have some family situation going on, and it is so heavy you don't know what to say to God. All you know to do is just come and just sit before him. I don't even know God. 
I don't even know what to say. Sometimes we think, well, if I can't say anything, I'll just not, I'll just not even try to pray. I'll tell you, you may not have words to say, but the Lord knows exactly what you need. Now, because the Spirit knows how to pray, even when we don't look at verse 26, look what he does. The Bible says he intercedes for the saints. Now, that word intercedes means to apply oneself to someone on behalf of another. Now, remember earlier I spoke about the work of an advocate, and here we have it again. One focus here is that the Spirit teaches us how to pray. He teaches us to pray. Now, now some of that's that, that some of that influence, some of that teaching is more long term. Remember, we talked about in the past how God's at work in us to, to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's sanctifying us. He's He's changing our want tos. He's changing what we want to do. Those things that bring us pleasure, and that's a lifelong process. But that affects our prayer lives. Have you noticed if you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 50 years, that your prayer life today is the same as it was when you first got saved? That's because God works in your life and changes your prayer life. It it changes to more and more reflect His will. We pray more and more about the things that matter most to God. Now to go along with that, through time the Spirit works in our lives to increase our faith. Not our faith in our faith, but our faith in God. And the Bible is clear that we would receive an answer of prayer that we should ask in faith, believing that we'll receive that for which we've asked. Now to go back to uh, something I mentioned just a, a moment ago, when we pray, we can have confidence because the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And, and, and what that means is the Holy Spirit speaks to the Father, as it were, on our behalf. Isn't that incredible? That uh, Just a few verses later, the, the Bible says that the Son is interceding for us in heaven. And here we have the Spirit interceding for us as well. And He does so in a way that's perfectly in line with the Father's will. Now, what is the Father's will? Well, in general sense, it's to bring glory to God. It's to glorify Jesus Christ. That Christ would be exalted and magnified in, in both our circumstances and our response to that circumstance. Now, if you look at our, at our text, the question that people have wrestled with for many, many years is the, the question of this groaning. Is this groaning that Paul talks about, he says that he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, is that a groaning that we make or is that a groaning that the Spirit makes? Well, I, I believe it may be both. I really like what John Piper had to say here. He said, so my answer to the question, how does the Spirit pray for us, is that he moves powerfully in our hearts to create groanings. His groanings experienced as our groanings, which are based on two things. One, a deep desire and ache of heart that Christ be magnified in our lives. And two, a weakness that leaves us baffled and unknowing as to how this is going to happen or should happen. So we're not sure how we are to pray, but we are sure that we want Christ to be magnified in our bodies. And I think that's that's really the point that we get to uh, many times. We go through these times, these these difficulties, these infirmities, whatever it is, this time of weakness, and it helps us to, to get to the point where we say, you know what, I don't know what I want God to do. I just want him to do what's good. I want him to do what's right. I want him to bring glory to himself. The last thing I want you to see is in verse 27. That is, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Now, John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he says, This is the confidence 
which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So, so here's the picture. We are weak, feeble sinners. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. We don't know the future. We don't know what the, the, the hidden will of God is. We don't know how Christ can be glorified in our situation. And so the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, helps us by teaching us how to pray. He does it over time as he, as he changes our hearts, he renews our minds. He works to sanctify us, to draw us closer to him. He does it by, by communicating our wants and our needs and our desires, even if we can't put them into words. And he intercedes for us with the Father. And here's the thing. He always does so perfectly in accordance with the Father's will. He never misses it. Isn't that incredible? That is an incredible blessing. It's an incredible encouragement. So what can we learn from this? Well, I think three things is to, just to take away. First, we should pray and we should do so often. We should pray and we should do so often. Don't let fear or doubt or ignorance of the unknown keep you from praying. Some people may think, well, I don't know what the future holds, I don't know what the will of God is, therefore I'm not going to pray. Friend, that's the exact time and that's the very reason to pray. And don't let the unknown stop you from praying because it may be unknown to you, but here's a newsflash for you, it's not unknown to God. You may not know what's going to happen, but God does. And the Holy Spirit always intercedes perfectly for believers according to the will of God. The second thing we can take comfort in is that we are not expected to know every part of the will of God. Let me repeat that. You as a Christian are not expected to know every part of the will of God. Sometimes we get really stressed trying to figure out the will of God. Don't we? we pray, oh God, tell me what's going to happen next. Oh, we're so earnest and we don't hear from heaven and so we close our eyes even tighter and we say it with more fervor. God, please tell me what I should do. Please tell me what's going to happen. Please tell me the future. And we get all anxious and stressed out. And when God doesn't pull back the clouds and shout down his plan for us, we can be discouraged. But listen to this verse out of Deuteronomy chapter 29. It's verse 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. You're not responsible for knowing God's hidden will. It's hidden, so you can't know it. You are responsible, though, for knowing and doing what he has. It was D.L. Moody who said that it wasn't the, the verses in the Bible that he didn't understand that bothered him. It was the verses he did. I tell you, if, if, if you just look at the Ten Commandments, that's enough to, that's enough to keep you busy. Isn't it? Don't worry. Don't, don't believe that you have to know every aspect of God's will because you can't and you won't. Third, even when words fail you in prayer, realize you're still being understood. Even when words fail, you realize you're still being understood. I am misunderstood a lot. I talk to people, and I if, if, if making people mad was a spiritual gift, that would be mine. 
because I can do it and not even know I've done it. And sometimes I say things and I try to make it sound as nice as I can and people are just angry. I don't understand it. And sometimes you might think, well, if I, if I, if I don't pray just right, God's going to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. Well, listen, even if you can't say anything, even if it's unintelligible, God understands what's on your heart. And I wonder, as we talk about prayer, we talk about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is there something on your heart that you need to pray about? You know, we have a time of, 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 of response, time of invitation, time of prayer. When I ask you to stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed, don't just stand there with your heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm praying. Pray. What is it that's on your heart that you need to talk to God about? Maybe it's something that you've been talking to Him about for, for months, for years. That person that you've been praying for. That, that family situation. That job situation. Maybe you just need to talk to Him about it one more time. Maybe you have some need or situation you can't even put into words. You're so overwhelmed with what's going on. Maybe it's you're so overwhelmed with the blessings that God's given you. All you can do is just say, I don't, words can't express the things I have in my heart. Even when you can't put it into words, don't let that keep you from praying. As always, the, the altar is going to be open. I'd be happy to pray with you. Maybe you'd rather stay in your seat. God hears you just as well in your seat as it does in the altar. But I'd encourage you to pray. Say, you know what, Pastor, things are good with me. Pray for that person next to you. Pray for the other people in this church. Pray for your friends and family members because there's something going on in somebody's life you may not know anything about. I'm going to tell you one prayer that God will answer 100% of the time. And that's a prayer of salvation. If you will call on the name of the Lord, if you will, if you will pray in true saving faith, that's a prayer that God will always answer. There's not a formula. There's not a special set of words. It's not like I can give you a card that says, Sinner's Prayer, if you'll just pray this, you got your ticket punch, you can go to heaven. Now listen, if you, if you know that God's drawing you to himself, if you recognize that you are a sinner, and that sin deserves the, the righteous judgment and wrath of God, you deserve that righteous judgment and wrath of God, and the only way that you can escape is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you recognize those things, God is drawing you to Himself, and if you'll put your faith in Christ, you'll be saved. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Ask Him to forgive your sins. Ask Him to become Lord of your life. God will always answer. Understand with me as musicians come. As you stand, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. Just in the quiet of this time, again, I, I just want to invite you to pray to God. even in a group this size, there's stuff going on. 
cards. Maybe there's an illness. Maybe you have a wayward child, a grandchild. Maybe you have a service member that's in your family. Maybe you just look at your own life, you, you, you recognize there's been apathy, you know the, the right thing to do, you know that you should uh, be regular in your church attendance, you know that you should be reading your, the scriptures, you know all this stuff, but frankly, if you're being real honest, you just find it hard to hear. And even today, God is convicting you of your sin. You know that if you walked out those doors and didn't make it home, that you would not end up in heaven today. You just don't have to leave it. Our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you that all of salvation is of the Lord. God, we thank you that, that you initiate salvation. You, you pursue us when we are rebels against you. Cross to yourself, convict us of our sins. That you bestow us, bestow upon us grace and mercy when we don't deserve it. We can earn our way here. God, after that, you don't just leave us to go at it on our own, but you empower us, strengthen us with the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us, guiding and directing our wayward prayers to something acceptable. God, for each of us here, I pray that you help us to be confident in our prayers, whether it feels like they're going anywhere. God, help us to, to remember that even if we don't have the words to say, you know what's on our hearts. You can understand those inaudible, unintelligible things. God, the person maybe who needs to put their faith in Christ, I pray that you would convict them and draw them to all these things to